You want to find your tribe of raving fans. And that's just what we're here to help you do. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with 360 Media, where we help entrepreneurs build better businesses by not only sharing insights and candid conversations, but by nurturing our minds as well. Get ready to explore, plan, and showcase your business, because here we go. Here's your host, Chief Strategist of 360 Media and Educator at TacticalProgram.com, Justin Lamb. Hey everybody, this is Justin Lamb and you're listening to another episode of Digging Deep where I help business owners build better businesses. And today I have a lovely lady joining me on the podcast. She is the owner of True Nosh, a culinary chef as well as a registered dietitian. Renee Chan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Thank you so so much for for coming on, and, and I think you know nutrition is such a big part of our lives. And mm-hmm. you know, as entrepreneurs, we don't necessarily um, feed ourselves very well. Most days, we're running back and forth and trying our best to shove whatever's convenient in our mouth, if anything at all, um, or starving all day long and then eating at dinner. But what sets you off on your journey as a person to become a chef and to become a nutritionist. Yeah, I have a lot of people who asked me that recently. Um, So I love food. And ever since I was a little girl, I was just known for loving everything that was edible. My dad was a foodie. So he brought me to all these restaurants um, growing up and I'm just a spoiled uh, foodie brat, I guess I would say. But because of that, you know, he also suffered from like heart disease and diabetes. Um, So that's kind of how I wanted to learn more about food and how I started in the food industry, wanting to get more of the knowledge and how we can eat well and with good food, but also um, ward away diseases while doing so. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And where did you study? Where did you go to, to study? So I was, um, I was actually a biologist first. So I have an undergraduate in the University of California and, and San Diego. So uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful city. And I studied biology there mainly because I wanted to become a doctor. And then um, I realized that really wasn't my passion. So I was like, oh, what can I do to feed my love of food and, and also, you know, be in the healthcare field. And I decided that I was going to get a master's degree in clinical nutrition. And after one year of doing visual arts, I actually did a minor in visual arts before I, I studied nutrition. Um, I went to NYU to do a, a master's there and then became a dietitian. Amazing. Well, just like you, I had an aspiration to become a doctor. It wasn't in the cards, not because I didn't like it, but it was because math was just definitely not in the cards. And it's so funny because my wife has a master's in food science. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's so, so neat to, to be able to connect and, and understand sort of both ends of the spectrum, you know, both from the science background and the health nutrition background. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what type of food and what type of things do you focus on in terms of you know being a dietitian and then of course being a chef yeah so i i love food so i even when i know so much about food and so much about like the the health 
and also I guess the adverse effects. I would never would call any type of food bad food because there's still, if it's a, a fry, it still has some sort of nutrition. And if that's the only thing that is available to you when you're hungry, then that is a good food. Um, I don't know. It's just um, a lot of the things that just kind of present to me in everyday life. I grew up uh, in a Chinese Canadian household. So we ate a lot of Chinese food and I didn't realize that there's so much sodium in all the sauces that we have, right? If you pick up a bottle of hoisin sauce, like the first ingredient is basically sugar. And then the second ingredient is probably a soy sauce. And then you look at the nutritional facts, it's like a thousand times, you know, your sodium level. And you're like, okay, well, that's probably why so many Asians have heart disease and diabetes. Um, but that's really not like the sauces kind of just started about like 40, 50 years ago. And I, and if you go to a Chinese restaurant, like the saltiness and the sweetness is not really a major thing. It's mostly kind of just um, celebrating the, the freshness of the ingredients. Um, the sauces are mostly used at home or like in the Western world where, you know, you douse your, your food in a lot of like the sweet and sour and the hoisin sauce. So I just kind of want to merge my background with like Western food and Asian food um, and like my love of both worlds to create a, a line of um, amazing products that I would consider uh, to have all those umami notes and sweet and, and, and savory notes, but also be good for you as well, too. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Asian, uh, South Asian cooking and, and you know, uh, primarily, you know, Oriental cooking uh, actually do celebrate a lot of the ingredients. A lot of them are fresh. Um, you know, we believe actually having a lot of vegetables and, and whatnot within the dietary, you know, sort of confinements. I, I mean, other than rice being the other big commodity or noodles being the big commodity, but vegetables actually a very big part of uh, Asian yeah. cuisine. Huge. And and the diversity, the colors, uh, the different fragrances really play into the roles of the umami notes and you know the appeal of of cuisine. Now, you know as we Americanize it, uh, it becomes more about the sauces and about sort of the saltiness that that kind of comes with it. With unfortunately, a lot less of the vegetables that exactly. generally come with with all yeah that. yeah i mean i guess in, in chinese history most of the time like the meat is used like a um a celebratory kind of thing um you don't eat them every day right and it's also you don't have that much meat it's usually vegetables and the meat is like on top like a garnish versus like meat and then like the vegetables as a garnish so like as the, I guess, as we evolved, it's more meat forward, but it's not really usually the case. Yeah. And, you know, as the data and uh, research, you know, has sort of evolved over the last little while, you know, it really is coming back to what it's supposed to be. And it's supposed to be like, we call it condom meat, like rather than condiment, but condom meat instead of mm -hmm. like, you know, a big honking steak and then a little bit of, you know, the, the vegetables as sides, it actually should be the other way around right, right. and having having a, a plethora of fruits and vegetables around your plate with a little bit of meat, and a little bit of starch, um, you know, to kind of, to, to balance all of that out. Cause I mean, we still need them. And I think there's a misconception 
that, you know, in a North American diet, you know, eating the, the fries as a vegetable um, and then having these big honking shawarmas with more, with more <clears throat> meat than, than the vegetables, you know, really play a role around the waistline. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and of course, then the refinement of sugars and starches then play into our micro, you know, flora in, in our gut and, and microbiome. And, you know, over time, that really has shifted the way um, our, our bodies have sort of evolved. Yeah, now, absolutely. So what does a company like you and, uh, you know, Trunash kind of do to combat that? I mean, you know, you're talking about sauces and other things, but, you know, mm-hmm. what are companies like yours doing to focus on the well-being and changing that conversation? Well, I think first and foremost, I really am a nutrition educator and I talk about food in a way to um, help people understand the food. And I think nowadays, most people just don't really understand food as much. And so knowledge is something that I'm always trying to back um, myself up when I'm putting out a product and why I'm doing this with the fruits and vegetables in the products. So that's one key factor and that's one key difference between um, my company versus like um, a a really uh, sauce forward company that just kind of puts themselves out there as making sauces. But my background is a diet, in dietetics. So I go over and beyond on um, my ingredient searches and and also making sure that each um, sauce serving is under um, a certain amount of of sugar and a certain amount of sodium, but still also has the similar taste as like some sauces that we both grew up with. So then is Trunash producing uh, prepackaged foods or is it a restaurant base or is it a food meal delivery prep? Where does it sit in the space? (laughs) So in the last five years, um, it is a prepackaged food. So we have sauces, uh, hot sauces. We have a granola and a granola bites and also a few drinks and a few um, jams. But this year we're um, changing that up. We have a, a online store where we have um, focused on all foods that are made without added sugars, all gluten-free and all plant-based. And then um, hopefully in the next few months we'll have uh, actually physical shop that we can serve foods um, that are usually thought of as not so good. So uh, I'm, I'm in love with dumplings and dim sum and, and also ramen and um, a lot of like what, you know, everyone is like going out to eat. Right. But then if you go to a dim sum restaurant, most of the fillings have a lot of fat in it or, you know, the hidden starches or, or a lot of sodium in it. So I'm going to actually offer um, a grab and go um, style menu where you can just um, either heat it up, get it heated up at the store, or you can actually get it cold or frozen in the shop and then just cook it at home. So, yeah, so we're evolving. <laughs> Fantastic. And let's talk about that evolution because I mean, uh, did that evolution start pre pandemic or, you know, did it start because of the pandemic as a, you know, different vertical or yeah. silo? 
Well, if it was up to me, I would have opened it about a year ago. So no, it didn't. Um, and then the pandemic actually slowed it down because of uh, city permits and all that stuff. So I've always wanted to be my own shop owner and actually have a, a version of uh, a Trader Joe's kind of grocery store, but focused on gluten-free and plant-based and no added sugar products. So you would go in and feel like very safe and guilt-free about shopping in a store. So that's my kind of future steps is to kind of grow the, the retail space and um, offer more um, items. Yeah, now as gluten-free and vegetarian and vegan options have really started to come to the forefront over the last mm -hmm. maybe five or six years, uh, you know, what are the dietary sort of ramifications uh, of those? Like, you know, why would you decide that, you know, to stay on the sort of more gluten-free side and vegan side, you know, what is the reasoning behind that from a dietitian standpoint and from, of course, yeah. like the, the, the restaurant standpoint? Yeah. Well, for me, it's just, if you go to a Chinese restaurant, there's plenty meat already, right? So for me, I'm like, I don't need to provide more meat options out there. So I wanted to kind of be more niche and, and serve a, a smaller population where they love Chinese food and love dim sum, but they they want to be more plant-based. And that's kind of how I come into. And I like to, you know, play around with different recipes and different um, new producers. They come up with like some cool, um, I guess, vegan meats that I could incorporate into different um, Chinese recipes that I've known to love. Um, so that's important to me to kind of evolve with what the um, uh, current trends are, um, you know, presenting in the food world too. So that's kind of how we're going to kind of focus on. You know. Fantastic. And, <laughs> and, you know, I had a friend um, who is uh, one of the Canadian sort of distributors of uh, Impossible Burger impossible okay. foods and it's really quite interesting their product is uh is quite unique <laughs> excuse me um so you know the the product in itself is is so so unique and and you know for people who are listening if you're in sort of that market to take a look at uh, a, a plant-based alternative uh i was blown away like you know up until that point beyond beyond meat was sort of mass market share but i could tell you um you know i couldn't tell the difference honestly upfront if somebody yeah. were to feed me the other uh, impossible burger versus the yeah. beyond meat so that's really quite interesting and being mm -hmm. able to incorporate that into dim sum um and to other yeah. other um sort of niche foods that i think mm -hmm. people crave um but are worried about the dietary you know sort of fats and the 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 meat products and and gluten products that are with it it's it's really quite quite fascinating i think you know, over the next three to five years, you're going to find um, that market is going to start to even escalate further as people become more aware. Yeah. And it's also a, a movement to, I mean, not just veganism, but just having a more sustainable uh, way of producing food and, and having less animals, you know, taking over green pastures and, and emitting less greenhouse gases really will kind of help us save our planet in, in a way where, where we, you, I'm not as, I'm actually not vegetarian or vegan. My partner is, and he's celiac. So 
I mean, the, the company also evolved because my dad has diabetes, my mom has heart disease, and my partner has celiac. So it's basically out of like the necessity of feeding the people that I love that these products and this this food line has emerged. But if, if it's happening to me, I'm sure it's also, you know, a thing for other people too. And they're looking for um, such niche products. Um, so I really try to eat less meat at home. And it's hard being Asian, going to your mom's house and not drinking bone broth. Like it's kind of like a dishonor to like the hours that she put in to cook you like a meal. And you're like, yeah, I love like it's It's really just love that you put into the food. And I'm not going to be like, no, I'm not going to drink your soup but if, if we, there's a choice that I can like stop buying commercial meat and really getting to to see what um, a lot of local companies are doing like the real good butchers or they're doing a whole line of um, vegan meat too and and plant-based you know local supporting local is kind of very important especially now for for the COVID uh, population that uh, a lot of restaurants are going down to, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even for us, we've really converted ourselves to, you know, going to local farms and finding farms that have, you know, ethical practices, proper, you know, uh, farming practices that aren't commercialized. So, you know, pasture-raised meats, um, you know, and, and having uh, a better overall nutritional sort of value, um, you know, I guess, composition uh, mm -hmm. in nutrients, right? You know, whether it's vegetables being organic, you know, for those that are generally heavily sprayed, of course, we'll go organic when, when possible, uh, you know, the pasture-raised meats, you know, uh, wild-caught fish. So I mean, I think that plays a, a really big role. Now, from a standpoint of, you know, um, a company producing foods, you know, what kind of big challenges did you have uh, in the beginning when you were starting off Trunash, you know, what, what type of obstacles stood in your way? You know, what type of things and struggles oh. did you have? <laughs> there are still struggles. I mean, well, beginning, I, I worked as a chef and worked as um, like food service. And it's completely different than actually producing shelf-stable food. So I had to learn so much from um, food processors uh, and just asking questions, right? Because I had no idea how to put a sauce in the jar and not have it go bad. Like, how do I know, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's a learning process. And, and um, gladly, uh, BC Food and Beverage is here. Like, it's like an organization that helps um, local food manufacturers and processors. So I could ask them any question and they'd be like, oh, ask this person, ask that person. So I did find a really good um, community that I could just be like, oh, I need help with understanding why my sauce is turning a different color um, after a certain while or why the, the vacuum seal, it, you know, it's not staying or why is certain things, you know, not working out. And um, definitely that was a huge learning curve for me to produce uh, my first sauce as well as learning um, a lot of different food science um, aspects of food, right? Learning about um, water activity. I'm like, okay, like I, I have a biology degree, but you don't really learn about um, why that is important to, to keep shelf stable and why um, grocery stores ask for 
your shelf life. So now I got to go talk to labs and, and understand how I can like extend the shelf life so we can be on the shelves of like local grocery stores as well. Well, that's really interesting because I mean there's a a school of thought and of course you know YouTube and social media culture really sort of expedited that but you know when we took a look at labels and we took a look at preservatives or ways to make things shelf stable are there misconceptions about you know what type of things are bad for you because everybody goes well if you can't pronounce it shouldn't be in the the bottle but like that can't be true especially if you're trying to buy something from a shelf stable you know environment right I mean yeah there's only so much that fresh can go and last and there's no way that you can pump that out in volume without it going bad fast enough for it to get off the shelves. So, you know, maybe can you maybe dispel some myths or talk about a little bit of that? Well, um, so for me, when I started out, I was like, I don't want any preservatives or additives in the food just because I had no idea why it was in there in the first place. And then after we talked to some food scientists and that's like, their um, focus is to extend shelf life and now I understand why some cert- like certain chemicals or, or things that decrease the pH of my sauces or some sauces so I still try to do it very naturally so if, um, so the pH which is the, um, the acidity or alkalinity of the food has to be under um, a certain level which is like 4.6 and I had no idea when I had started my um, uh, recipe formulation that I had to follow these criteria. So um, sometimes you see a sodium like bicarbonate or, uh, or like a ascorbic acid or citric acid added into the food is because they need to drive the pH down to a certain point bef- uh, before any like um, uh, pathogens that can start growing in the medium of the food. So it's really for the public safety um, that some of the additives are added so that no mold or no um, listeria or no, um, you know, other things that are not supposed to be there, like fungus is growing inside your food. Um, so that was a good learning um, experience. And when you uh, increase your um, production certain things also change so you have to like we started out with three cases at a time and each case was like 12 bottles so like we were literally just making 36 bottles each um, time we we go into our commissary kitchen and now we're doing like 360 so that's a huge difference um, with like texture and taste and and certain um, temperature sensitivity of the things. So the more you make, the more anxiety you get because you have to make sure that um, when you're filling your bottles, it's at the constant temperature and you're not burning anything or you're not like letting the water evaporate too much. So um, we're still learning, you know, how to make um, a better product each time we make a product, um, but it, we've definitely increased our production and we can, um, you know, tell stories <laughs> about our it's learning really, curve. It's really amazing because, I mean, you know, we, as consumers, we look at it, we go, oh, you know, like uh, these sauces have all these things in there, but we don't really think about, you know, what it is 
uh, that that goes into that, like, you know, the thought processes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in terms of, you know, trying to keep us safe as, uh, as, as a society and, and as consumers, you know, and it's really quite interesting. I think maybe what we should do is, is teach people to say ascorbic acid and citrate acid. So that way, then they can read the label, <laughs> maybe make it a little bit easier for everybody to do. But I mean, I get the fact that, uh, you know, by scale, that, that's got to be an interesting, you know, conundrum, you know, in terms of all of a sudden you have to increase like the, the, the ability for you to make a sauce that was once made in small batches and easily controlled. And now you have to have the equipment, the time, the space, uh, and the yeah. capacity to make these sauces at, at a larger scale, still yeah. have the safety, you know, as outlined by the uh, FDA or, or the Food and Drug Administration. Right. Um, and whether or not that goes across a border, that's another, that's yeah. another uh, yeah. badge that's of another... uh, yeah, conversation exactly. altogether. Absolutely. So it is really quite interesting. It is. It is. And I, I basically am learning every time we make a batch, even if we made, you know, a batch of um, our vegan oyster sauce, I, I still learn something new each time. So that's good. <laughs> but that, I mean, if, if you're not learning, then you're dying, right? Yeah. Like, so if every day, if you're advancing and making that just a little mm -hmm. bit better, I mean, that's just that's just a, another notch in your belt to say, hey, exactly. you know, we've come this way. And that's just funny because the person that I, I interviewed just before you today uh, was talking just about that. It was, it's really that repeated effort of constantly improving that really makes us, yeah. you know, that much better in the long run. So yeah, yeah you're doing a fabulous yeah. job oh, keeping that you. mentality. And it's also with pricing, like the more we buy this you know the cheaper the product can become so we're striving to you know get into more stores and driving sales and and just getting you know things to a point where we can actually buy more products for a lower cost because a lot of people are not used to buying a uh, hoisin sauce for ten dollars right but then that's what we are trying to educate people because the hoisin sauces out there are just sugar and, and sodium basically and then thicken with a certain starch but that's not real food to me and the education part is very important to to show them like what makes our product different than another product out there yeah and, and i think that's hard. a yeah, that's an important distinction, I think, from, you know, not only uh, as a marketer, uh, you know, person who, who looks at products and, and how can you educate and, and entertain an audience to be able to purchase your, your product and understand what that difference is on the shelf when you're looking at a hoisin bottle that's two for five dollars, and you're looking at one bottle the same, you know, size that's ten dollars, and you know, instinctually, I think people understand that there must be something different between the two, but often they can't discern, you know, the, the value between one and the other. And, and what we need to, you know, educate people as a society is, is that there are so many other factors other than the actual ingredients going into it. It's the economy of scale, right? Absolutely. And that economy of scale for anybody who's in that health space right now, where it's developing, um, mainstreamness is sort of how I kind of put it um, because they're not at an economy of scale. They have to be more expensive. They're producing in small batches. Exactly. You know, it's, you, it's like trying to have a mom and pop shop go up against Walmart and Amazon and you can't do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
you can't do that because you know we want to pay people you know what they're worth in labor and also we're not Walmart and we don't have like machines that can fill these jars for us. Obviously they're going to be much cheaper and they buy in like, you know, million tons of, you know, um, certain raw materials versus us buying like five, 50 pounds is like a big deal already. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, that also poses a problem for you in the terms of that next level. So say like, you know, if you're in a space where people aren't pursuing and purchasing your goods at that price point, trying to get it to something like Costco, which is obviously I think every every person's dream when they have a product is to get it into Costco because Costco obviously pushes so much stuff. Um, yeah, and, but I mean, at that point, there's a new economy of scale and trying to keep up with that level is another, another you know, beast in itself. I mean, we have clients who are in that space in the garment industry and it's ridiculous that that economy of scale and how fast you know they have to act and move and be able to supply because you know if you can't keep up with the demand you're gone off the shelves so yeah. you know it is really really quite interesting and i think uh, that education for the consumer is is important but then because of that price point you get narrowed down to a very unique sort of market and and Tell me about the struggles about what that looks like in terms of trying to find that niche. Oh, well, I think it really is about getting your um, company's mission out there and uh, educating even shop owners, right? We got to start small, like small grocery chains. And once we get into most of those, then they also have to know the product. And right now it's actually been very difficult because you can't sample in any grocery stores or even at farmer's market that we're in, like for safety reasons, obviously everyone understands we're in a weird situation right now, but when people can't taste a new product, they're automatically like, oh, I, I don't know if it's good and it's worth $10 a bottle, right? I could just go to like a regular grocery store and like for two fifty dollars or $3, I get the same sauce. So why do I need to, you know, tell you, like give you my money versus giving, you know, the same um, sauce and much lower price. So I do tend to be very verbal about that and and it's just like you, you just have, need to vouch for your product and really believe in you know what you're doing to really change one person's palette you know a, at a time and um, that's been a struggle too <laughs> yeah and it's yeah. so important I mean yeah. you know we talk about a customer journey and you know as an owner, like you have a mission and standing by your mission is one part of that equation. And then educating the the masses to, to find that tribe, right? The people who are going to resonate and be the advocates of your business. And I think that's a struggle for every entrepreneur. And, you know, in this case, it's a wonderful opportunity for you to actually be able to talk at length uh, with individuals here on a podcast, because, you know, people are going to be listening into this and understanding a deeper level uh, to what goes into your product and why they should care about that and why that price difference is. And, you know, if we educate one person on this podcast, uh, you know, that 
that in turn will eventually educate another and another and another. And our hope is, is, you know, we're going to be impacting small businesses like yours um, to, to be able to grow and expand and help reach those missions. The thing that's so important, you know, in this economy now where attention is, you know, like super quick up and gone that yeah. podcasting has this opportunity where we can still educate people um, and, and discuss relevant topics in a more elaborate way yeah, uh, so that people can consume it. Yeah. And even with, you know, um, when you go and shop for a product and you see all these like um, uh, labels where like, oh, it's certified organic or certified gluten-free or, or certified non-GMO. Those are not on there because we can just use it at our leisure. I mean, even though most of my products are organic, I can't use that because I need to actually pay someone um, to assess all my products and then have an annual fee in order to use that logo. So like when c consumers go out and, and shop, like they need to understand that that's an extra cost that the company needs to provide to get that logo on. And so, you know, just take five minutes to Google the company and see what they stand for versus like what you see on the bag if it's not like certified organic but if it's just labeled organic you shouldn't you know, really judge by that too yeah and it's hard i mean like <laughs> trying to buy a ten dollar bottle of oyster sauce and if you had to buy yeah. a buy one with a certified organic logo it's twelve dollars yeah. <laughs> because the the licensing fee is so expensive right. um, but i mean you know that is the difference of i think you know, people in this health space is navigating, you know, all the nuances and trying to figure out how can you advertise and still gain traction and attention uh, to an audience who, I wouldn't say they're misinformed, but they're probably more sort of blinders on to what the media has told them is you know, really, truly like a certified organic has got to be better than an organic because one, some, something is certified or not, but they mm -hmm. don't necessarily see the sort of red tape that people go in right. and yeah. under. So this is a, a really interesting medium where I think people can actually have that discussion. And then of course, you know, we look to the pioneers of the health and nutritionist space. And I don't know how far you're into that space in itself, but I mean, like the David Asprey's, the Dr. Mark Hyman's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, you know, the, the, the Dr. Jason Fung's of, of the world, um, right. you know, Sean Stevenson, they're all trying to be the pioneers to help people live a, a better lifestyle. And by that very nature, they're helping people like you, um, you know, as a byproduct, you know, understand, helping the consumer understand the value of what you guys bring to the table. And that's really, really mm -hmm. quite a, a neat shift. And I think over the next three to five years, like I said, you're going to notice a huge um shift in in the sort of educational component uh to to nutrition and that that'll directly affect you unfortunately Absolutely. you're in the early days and the early days some days suck when we call early adopters oh right? yeah well i feel like i'm you know i'm six years in but um yeah i just have to keep believing and, and then keep pushing forward and not you know letting a lot of no's and negativities you know bring it down i just kind of more like uh, doing a lot more self-therapy and kind of just pushing forward with the things that I believe in for sure. Amazing. Well, you make yeah. sure you keep the good people around you because that's going to be the, the fighting edge that you'll need. Um, so, you know, where are people going to find True Nosh? Like, you know, what grocery stores or where, where, where are you guys found? 
Um, so we are based in Vancouver and a lot of local shops like Vegan Supply will have our uh, line of um, Asian sauces. I have a line of um, hoisin sauce, a vegan oyster sauce and a vegan black bean sauce. Those are kind of my focus uh, right now. And if you go to like Body Energy Club, you'll find our granola. So we're in uh, most of the downtown Vancouver and Kitsilano locations. Um, we have a goji organic granola that is like people like, can't live without. <laughs> um, and we have a subscription for that too. And then you can also shop um, if you're in like Burnaby or Coquitlam, we're in a Palm Market there. It's on Lougheed and like Westwood, I believe. It's near the mall in Coquitlam. Um, we're in some stores on the island and Parksville at, in the Pharmasave. And then going further in the Fraser Valley, we're in uh, Cloverdale Pharmasave. So go ahead and visit that, them. They have our some of our hot sauces and our Asian sauces too. And then if you are outside of BC or you know not in the lower mainland, go ahead and shop on our website. It's trunosh.com and we'll do free shipping for any orders um, within Canada over $50. Sweet, pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at the end of every podcast, I kind of ask every guest, uh, what is a book or a resource that has sort of deeply impacted your career or life um, or your business? Do you have one that you could share yeah. with the audience? Um, yeah, so I'm a big believer in women entrepreneurs and uh, it is coincidentally International Women's Day today. Uh, I actually have, I actually co-authored a book called Pursuit 365 and it's all about women in business um, that just launched today and we sold out on Amazon. So I'm so excited about that. But for a book that actually I am um, finishing is called Believe It uh, by uh, Jamie Kern Lima and she is She's One of my cool. role models, actually, um, she's in the cosmetic field, but her story really resonates with me because I go to trade shows, not for cosmetic, but for food. And I really have to defend, um, you know, what I'm doing and really just have to understand that it's going to be a million no's before I get that big yes and just kind of keep pushing and, and really believe in what I have to offer and, and my value in this world. So if those of you who are like women and, you know, having their own business, I think this book is like great to, to keep that um, believe it mentality. And really, if you keep, keep at it and, and really have a, something to offer to the world, you can, you can make it by keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Her story is really phenomenal. I think she's, yeah she had so much grit and, and stamina to go through. I mean, she, I mean, she hit rock bottom so many times, um, mm -hmm. you know, through that venture and to get her one shot uh, is, is really quite, yeah. quite astounding. And, you know, and she had to do it in the most vulnerable way. And I think that's Absolutely. The, the, the biggest takeaway is, is like, you know, she had to really step out and really be uncomfortable with, uh, with, or being comfortable with being uncomfortable uh, and, and doing whatever it took to, to get to that another level. And, you know, yeah, it's a very inspirational story for those people who, mm -hmm. who are uh, interested in reading, uh, uh, in reading her book. So 
And so thank you for sharing that. I mean, and, and so congratulations for being part of that 365 book. I know of a number of ladies who were in that, oh, in that novel uh, or in the book in itself. And, and that's really quite, quite amazing. Um, it is. It is. Yeah, it's, it's on so my exciting. list of things I've got to pick up but amongst the many other things I have to pick up. But it is something <laughs> I really want to pick up because there's so many people in there that I do know who's written, you know, their their piece and their story within that. And I think that's going to be a really valuable read. Yeah, it's sold out on Amazon, but uh, I think I might have, well, I, I ordered um, 15 copies to sell on my online store. So I hopefully we'll get them in the next week for <laughs> some. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for joining me today's podcast. For those people who are listening, I hope you guys have value, uh, something to take away and really start to understand a little bit more about the nutritional aspect of your life and, you know, what things kind of go in on the shelf. And if you're shopping and you're in a hurry uh, and you're in the neighborhoods of Kitsilano downtown or, you know, near the Palm Market somewhere here in Vancouver, you know, go in, take a look, take a look at Trunosh and maybe give them a try and see how that works out for you. Yep. Thank, Thank you again you. for joining me today, Renee. I really do appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. We want to thank you for listening to the Digging Deep podcast with 360 Media. Your time is valuable, and we're deeply humbled that you are spending this time with us. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on Instagram at 360photo and at Tactical Titans. You can also email us. We want to make this channel great, something you enjoy and find tons of value in. Send us your insights to info at 360photo.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us reach more listeners. As always, tune in next week as we dig deeper into business and marketing.